Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR on a very, no longer rainy, but definitely a little bit cloudy Monday night. Home run derby in just about an hour or so. Pete Alonso, two-time defending champion. He's going to be coming up. No Angels, no Yankees. So, I'm, you know, I'll watch it probably. Don't really know how long I'm going to make it into it. I don't know. The home run derby, it has to have that a little bit of star power, right? I mean, that's kind of... It's the same with the dunk contest now in the NBA. Where, like, if, if you don't have that star power, who cares? The dunk contest for the NBA has kind of become like just like a rookie showcase. Who's the most athletic rookie? Who's the guy that's going to be doing the crazy, attempt to do the craziest dunks? But I think we've all kind of seen like the craziest thing a basketball player can do in terms of dunking the ball. Baseball, it, it's kind of become that thing where like some players will do it once, maybe twice, and that'll be about it. You know, no Vladdy Guerrero Jr., no Shohei Otani, Pete Alonso still in it, but no Aaron Judge. Judge is really the guy I wanted to see. I mean, with him chasing 61 for the Yankees. He's the guy I wanted to see. I don't, you know, it's not really going to be an event I I totally care about too much. But I'm definitely going to watch it. There's not really any sports on. But we do have sports coming up. Bills and Vegas Raiders rookies reported to minicamp today. Or, I'm sorry, to training camp today. Very exciting. Like, this to me, I, I know Bills training camp does not start until this Sunday, the 24th. You know, veterans don't even get there till the 23rd. I truly count this as like the day training camp begins. The rookies, truthfully, kind of like the rest of us, have no idea what they're walking into. You genuinely have no idea. None of us are sitting in on the meetings. We, a lot of us don't know the players personally. You may. I have no idea. We don't know the coaches personally. Again, you may. I have no idea. But we're kind of like the rookies. Like, if we showed up today to One Bills Drive, because they're, they're going to be driving out to St. John Fisher University, uh, I believe either tomorrow or Wednesday, we would have no idea what was going on. So for me, like this has always sort of been the start because I, if I showed up, I would have no idea. I would be right with them. I would not be with the veterans as much as I've been a Bills fan, you know, since I've been you know ten years old. But I don't really want to talk about the Bills today. I, we've talked a lot about the Bills Thursday, Friday. We talked a lot about the Sabers. What I want to talk about is because I liked I like just watching football. You know, I, I did always love when the Bills played at 1 because then I'd, I'd always have a 425 game I could watch and then the Sunday night and then Monday night game I would always watch. Thursday night I'd watch. But now that the Bills have become 
a primetime regular, a team that you know will be put on the 425 window, the Sunday night window, the Monday night window, not really Thursday night anymore. I've begun watching a lot more football at one o'clock. That is not, in fact, the Bills. If they're not playing, of course, you got to find you know you got to find somebody else to watch. And while I know a lot of Bills fans are much more like, well, you know, the Bills are in the AFC, so I watch AFC football. I don't really, I don't really care for the NFC, or, or you know, vice versa. Let's say if you're a Vikings fan, I watch NFC football. I don't really care for the AFC. I've never been that guy. I truthfully, I like a lot of teams. I I initially came into the sport. Liking the Eagles. That was the team I initially rooted for when I started watching football when I was like seven or eight. So I kind of like the like the NFL as a whole. I kind of tell people all the time, my biggest problem is, is poorly run teams. I cannot stand it. I get incredibly frustrated at poorly run teams in any sport, but especially football. So tonight, what I want to do, tonight we'll run through the teams I'm most excited for, the teams I think that have improved the most across the NFL and teams that I think can really be a bit of a surprise coming into this season. And then tomorrow night, we will talk about the teams that I think have improved the least or have truly gotten worse and who, you know, you couldn't pay me to watch them on primetime football. A lot like the Chicago Bears last year, which, by the way, Chicago Bears will probably be on that list. But tonight, we're going to keep it a little positive. It's a Monday. It was raining today. I think it's better to, like, you know, let's get into a positive mood going into Tuesday, as Tuesday is, without a doubt, the worst day of the week. You can tweet at me at Zachary Jones 198 if you agree and or disagree. But Tuesdays are without a doubt the worst day of the week. But going on to the list that I want to talk about, teams, you know, and I'm gonna. There's gonna be a player on here as well that I'm excited to watch. I I don't really care for his specific team, but I do want to watch him. But we're just gonna go through some of the teams I think that have improved the most. Who I want to watch this year, not named the Bills. And starting at number one, right at the top of the list. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. I know I, I did just say that they were the team that got me into the sport. You know, when I was very, very young, thanks to the movie Invincible, starred Mark Wahlberg and all that fun stuff. But I think this is a team that is genuinely improved, and they are in a fun division. Now, you might be saying, Zach, the NFC East, it's a tire fire year after year, and you'd be correct. That's why I enjoy it. That's why I absolutely enjoy watching the NFC East. When was the last time we've had a repeat champion of that division? The Eisenhower administration? It's been forever. Every year it is a new team going to the top because they're all run horribly. They are all run with a very big city mentality of we need to be good immediately and always, even if we're just mediocre good. And it is kind of entertaining to watch. It's really fun to watch you know, a 9-8 and eight NFC East team win the division. Everyone look at them and go, oh, that's ugly. That's atrocious. But... I think the Eagles are a bit different this year. The Dallas Cowboys won the division last year. They're returning a lot of their key pieces. You know, CeeDee Lamb's coming back. Dak Prescott's going to be another year removed from his injury. I think the Cowboys, I mean, uh, Tony Romo made comments today, too, that he thinks, you know, the Cowboys are going to have a bit of a different philosophy in their offense coming into this year. And I, and I would agree with that. I think they really need to. Under Dak, as... We've gotten further away from Ezekiel Elliott's rookie season where he was you know, he was dynamite. He was phenomenal coming right out of Ohio State and just you know, eight defenses up. He really allowed a third-round rookie in Dak Prescott to kind of ease himself in because Ezekiel Elliott had come in and just had lit the league on fire. But as we've gotten further away from that rookie season, the Cowboys' offense has become very, very pass-heavy. And... They become a team that is almost 
full of empty stats. Dak Prescott, you know, the year he got hurt, he had, what, three games of 400 yards out of five games? Three games with 400-plus passing yards, only five games played. I think they were like two and three. It was a team that was full of empty stats. There was there was not a ton of substance there. But truth be told, they just they had the best quarterback. They had star power there. They were pretty good and they could win the division. I mean, Amari Cooper, for as much as he disappears in big games, on those one o'clock or four twenty five games, he was good. He was really good. And CeeDee Lamb, I mean, unbelievably talented rookie. But now we've moved even further past that. Dak has been injured. Zeke Elliott is kind of sort of coming back. But really, I think the the thing that they really figured out with themselves is Tony Pollard is a really good running back and that we should use him more. That, I think, is the conversation that has gone on in Dallas, to use Tony Pollard more. But with that being said, while I do think you know Dallas is going to be a fine team, potentially competing for a playoff spot, especially in an NFC that is very much up for grabs. It's a lot like the Western Conference in hockey. You have your top teams, but then the wild cards, even the second, third team in the divisions, it's it's very up in the air. So I think Dallas is fine. I think they're better than Washington and New York. I think Philadelphia has done themselves some unbelievable service. You just go through to their signings. I mean, they, they bring back guys like Fletcher Cox, which is huge. He has been unbelievable in the interior defensive line for them. And it's it's massive that they're able to bring him back along with Jason Kelly, uh, Jason Kelsey, excuse me, Derek Barnett, Anthony Harris. They're able to bring back some of these guys, but really, what's the big thing? It's trading for AJ Brown. That was huge for a team that had constantly, really, since the you know the Michael Vick era of the Eagles, where they had Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, uh, even Lashawn McCoy was a really good receiving threat. They've always been sort of searching for this. And very recently with Howie Roseman, they've not been able to figure out that receiver position, namely taking Jalen Rager and not Justin Jefferson. I mean, I can't think of a more broad disparity between two receivers than the guy taken right before him, or right before Jalen Rager, I'm sorry, right after Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. Rager basically can't get on the field anymore for the Eagles. He's a complete bust. He's not even really a gadget guy. He's not a return guy. He's just not a guy. He's just fast. Justin Jefferson has an absolute argument to be the best wide receiver in football. If he does anything of what he's done in the past two years, his first two years in the league, by the way, he is the best receiver in football. He is putting up numbers that we only saw, really, in the early years of Odell Beckham Jr., who was himself a historic wide receiver at the start of his career. But so A.J. Brown comes in, and what do they do? Well, they pair him with Devonta Smith, who was spectacular in his rookie year, but kind of just fell behind the coattails of Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell. He was good, but you know Jamar Chase was historic. And we're going to get into Jamar Chase, I think probably the last segment of the hour, just because Madden came out with their rankings today. And truthfully, I just... I, Why? What is going on? But that's, you know, I digress there. With the Eagles, what's the one thing holding them back? It's the quarterback position. Jalen Hurts, I wrote you know, in my bold predictions article from a number of weeks ago, I thought Jalen Hurts could be a top five fantasy quarterback. But I also put a bit, a bit of a caveat in there that, 
look, as much as I think he can be great for the fantasy numbers, you know, rushing, he's got great receivers. I think they're going to kind of figure out with Miles Sanders. They kind of start, like started to when they move more to a more of a rush heavy kind of a modern NFL option offense. They sort of figured out Hertz put up really good numbers. But Hertz's passing has always left something to be desired, even his rookie year when he came in. And, you know, there were moments where he looked pretty darn solid. You still were sitting there going, but where's the elite trait that makes him an NFL quarterback? You know, I'll always now use Joe Burrow as an example of this. Joe Burrow is 6'4", that's fine, but that's, you know, it's not an elite trait to be huge or to be tall. He's not a huge guy. He's got an average to above average NFL arm. What what's the elite trait? What made Joe Burrow so deadly his senior year in college and now every year he's been in the NFL? It, it he throws with absurd anticipation. He doesn't throw to zones. He doesn't even really read zone coverage. He just throws where there's an opening. He knows where defenses are lining up. He's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. He makes up for the lack of his physical tools. And I want to point to Jalen Hurts with that because Jalen Hurts does have an elite trait. He's an unbelievable runner. He was at Alabama. But he was not a good thrower at Alabama. He transferred to Oklahoma. And he did become a pretty darn good thrower. And I'm not ready to give up on Jalen Hurts yet. Now, I will say, Philly has positioned themselves really, really well that if Jalen Hurts does not do well this year, they can easily move off of him. And go get one of these top guys, a la you know, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. They'll be able to get one of those three guys pretty easily, truthfully. They'll they'll trade some of these picks that, you know, you're maybe not happy that they traded, but ultimately that's why they traded for these picks. It's why they traded back, you know, to do this. And they're setting up their roster well that if they do, in fact, have to go to a rookie quarterback, they're not coming in with the cupboards bare and a team with zero direction. But Hertz is an interesting quarterback. Is he the rusher of Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? No. He does not have the size of Allen. He does not have the speed of Lamar. He does not have the elite arm talent, but he does throw a pretty darn good deep ball. I think if Hertz continues his progressions that we saw from Alabama to Oklahoma and continues some of the progressions we saw from his rookie year to his second year, he can be a very, very good quarterback in this league. I do think he can be a quarterback like Dak Prescott in his own division. Because Dak Prescott, to me personally, is the antithesis of just above average. He is the above average guy. It's him and Derek Carr. Those two, to me, are the exact same quarterback. They're above average. They're the guy that you won't necessarily sit there and go... But can we do better? It's so hard to get even here. Like, we'll just keep this guy for five, six years. You know, the Andy Daltons, the Joe Flaccos. But they are not the Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herberts, Josh Allens, where you're sitting there going, we have literally future Hall of Famers on our team. You can just see it. You can't see that with a Derek Carr and a Dak Prescott. But you can certainly win with them. But you need to build a great team around them. Dallas, I do not think, is a great team. I think they have great players. I think C.D. Lamb has the potential to be a great NFL wide receiver. I think Micah Parsons is already a great defensive end slash linebacker in this league. He will likely be one of the final three for defense player of the year this year. He was unbelievable his rookie year. But they are not a great team, and they are certainly not well coached. 
And that goes to my other point with the Eagles. I think Nick Sirianni, midway through this through last year, really discovering what his team did well was instrumental to them now going into this season with high hopes. They played Tampa Bay in the wildcard round and got smoked. They were waxed. They, it was not in the same category of teams. They just weren't. Tampa was clearly and utterly better than them. But the Eagles got there. I equate it a lot to Sean McDermott breaking the drought his first year. None of us really cared how that Jacksonville game went. If we won, phenomenal. If we lost, who cares? We broke the drought. Now, the opposite of that is I think all of us knew after that it ended, Tyrod was likely gone and other people could likely be you know, moving out of the team. It was not, that was not going to be the team going forward. The Eagles are a bit on the opposite end of where they're going. I think this is their team of the future. That was just a year early for them. They were able to get into the playoffs without realizing, oh man, we can. So they get there, they lose, but Hurts gets playoff experience. He gets that sort of the end of the season run to the playoff experience, which to me, it's the same. I you know equate that with hockey, with you know the young Sabres team potentially going on a playoff run, not even necessarily making it, but just a playoff run. That is experience in and of itself. Hurts got that taste of being in the playoffs, of what it means to be in the playoffs, and just how far away you were from being competitive with those teams. It's different playing a team like Tampa Bay in the regular season to the playoffs. It's different playing a team like the Buffalo Bills in the regular season compared to the playoffs. Look at New England for that example. Even just the second game. We're, we're, let's not talk about the windstorm game for New England, but that second game. Isaiah McKenzie goes off, Allen does some great things, but it did come down to the fourth quarter. Allen had to convert a fourth down with a shuffle pass to Stephon Diggs. That had to happen. Or there was potential Mac Jones could lead his team down the field at home. But in the playoffs, a switch flips. You see these great teams, Tampa, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco I'd even put on there. I would not put Green Bay on there, but San Francisco I'd put on there. A switch flips, and it's, it's, it's a little bit of put your hat backwards, it's time to go to work. It's time to stop playing with our food. And I don't think the Eagles, as this young team, a young coach in Nick Sirianni, were ready for that. And they shouldn't have been. They really shouldn't have been. And they got whooped on. It wasn't a close game. That's fine. I think most of Philadelphia would probably tell you, eh, I'm just happy to be here. It's a young team we're building. But now you get another year of Devonta Smith. He's in his second year. Jalen Hurts going into his third year. Your offensive line continues to stay good. It's not even that it went down. It's, just, it's staying good. You get an elite wide receiver in A.J. Brown. The fact that the Eagles have A.J. Brown is disgusting to me. This is why I will never take the Tennessee Titans seriously. It's why I can't do it. This, this fact that they want to run their team like it's the 1980s, that we'll, we'll win running the ball with Derrick Henry 500 times until he has 2,000 yards, that we'll win with a, a average to below average, depending on the day, quarterback. You know, we'll win with toughness and grit. That's keys. You need to have some of those. You need to have guys that are willing to go out in, you know, negative 10 degrees temperatures and look people in the eyes and go, bring it. You need that. You need a little bit of that. You also need skill. You need finesse. You don't always have to win a fight by punching someone in the face as hard as humanly possible. 
Look at boxing. You can win through jabs. And that's a lot of what the NFL is now. A lot of passing games are just extensions of running games. But now the Eagles have an elite wide receiver in A.J. Brown. And he is an elite wide receiver. A lot of people think the Bills lost to Tennessee because, you know, Derrick Henry was running wild. He only really had that one run. What really made both those Tennessee games difficult for the Bills was when A.J. Brown got going. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf are of the same cloth. They will physically impose their will on every cornerback and safety around them. It is so, so difficult to stop them. It's so, so difficult. And when you can, it's a win that you look back and go, I don't know if we can do that two times in a row. Out of ten times, I don't think we're get, well, I don't think we get a passing grade on that. So the Eagles now have a finesse wide receiver in Devonta Smith. They have an unbelievable speed demon in Quaz Watkins, and now they have a bruiser, a deep ball demon in AJ Brown. That is a team that is very very underrated. They are a team that really, I think people are both talking about them, but not totally. And then you just go to their first five games at Detroit. We'll get to Detroit. I I like the Lions, but not nearly as much as the Eagles. They get Minnesota at home. Look, Kirk Cousins is the ultimate thief in the NFL. He is a fine quarterback. He throws a pretty darn good ball. He'll get your stats for your wide receivers. You're not winning games with him. Not, Not nearly as much as your team should. At Washington. Carson Wentz. I, that's all I'm going to say there. Carson Wentz and whatever else is going on there. Washington is a tire fire. Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville. I think they've improved. I think I think Trevor Lawrence is absolutely going to have a better year. Not enough to beat this Eagles team. Absolutely not. And at Arizona. I'll tell you right now, I don't like Arizona at all. They may not wind up on my list tomorrow. I still got to run through it in my head. But you can't find a coach that's worse in the second half of seasons than Cliff Kinsbury. And Kyler Murray, to be fair, I think has never reached the highs of his rookie year. He came into his rookie year exciting. He was a smaller court, like legitimately a smaller quarterback. That was exciting. That was like his running game. I like better than Lamar Jackson's because I mean, he truly doesn't get hit. Like he just moves around everybody, but, but he gets hurt. He truly does get hurt. Then they don't get Deandre Hopkins for the first six or seven weeks. I mean, that Arizona team is potentially is going to be reeling quite hard early in the season as they try to kind of figure out where they're going. And then they get Dallas at home, and then the bye week. You look at those first six games, and seriously, they should be at worst 4-2. and two. At worst going into their bye week 4-2. and two. They could likely have two, be 2-0 two and oh in the division. Let's go 5-1. and one. In your bye week. And then you come out and play Pittsburgh and Houston and Washington again. Their schedule never gets hard. It never gets difficult. That is a team that easily, easily could have 12 to 13 wins. We could be sitting here now doing the same show in December looking at it and going, man, the Eagles could be a team that could play the Bills in the Super Bowl only because of what their record looks like. I don't think Jalen Hurts currently right now from what what I've seen for two years can lead the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl. But record-wise, he absolutely could. Again, just in the perception of records, in the fact that every every playoff game potentially could be going through the link. I mean, like, 
them getting A.J. Brown took them from, oh, they're probably a playoff team, to, no, that's a playoff team division winner. I don't like Dallas this year. I think Mike McCarthy's gone by the end of the season, at least. I don't know if Dallas has got the gall to fire a coach midseason. Not of Mike McCarthy's stature, whether it's warranted or justified or not. But the Eagles could be a really dangerous team this year. And a really fun one to watch. They don't run the ball like a Tennessee Titans. I don't like watching the Tennessee Titans play football. I kind of made mention that a few minutes ago with Derrick Henry and how they run it. They do things a lot a lot closer to how San Francisco does things. Running back by committee. Switching things up at the line of scrimmage. A lot of speed. A lot of misdirections. Handoffs. Quarterback runs. They're going to be a fun, fun team to watch. And they're going to be a fun team to keep an eye on. Because they could be one of those teams that winds up with 12, 13 wins, and you still have questions at the quarterback position. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes something of, you know, if, they're tra- if they trade up for a quarterback next year, again, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, oh boy, that, that's a scary team for the next five to ten years. They paid A.J. Brown. He's on their team. This wasn't something of the Tennessee Titans where they apparently looked at their best receiver and went, we're fine. We'll use our already aging running back. We'll just, you know, wear him into the ground. We'll be the one seed and we'll get blown out. We won't even look competitive. Philadelphia's not doing that. As much as I credited Nick Sirianni for wrote, for changing his offense from more pass-heavy in the first half to much more of a, a stylized run game, clearly with the, with, with the acquisition of A.J. Brown, they want to be more balanced. They liked what they had in the beginning of the season, but they realized we can't do this yet. We're not there yet. The Bills went through this too when they had John Brown and Cole Beasley. Remember that Jets game? That first game of the year in, I want to say, 2019. How many times did the Bills pass it in a row? 18? 19? It was a team that the year prior was just handing the ball off all the time. Josh would throw the ball 20 to 25 times a game. They started the game with him throwing like 18 times. But they weren't there yet. John Brown and Cole Beasley were great pieces to have to that puzzle, but they were not the final piece. That came in the offseason with the acquisition of Stephon Diggs. Then the Bills truly became the pass-happy team that they are today, putting up 30-35 points. That's when that happened. The Eagles could be on a very, very similar trajectory to the Bills, but I'm not 100% sold on Hurts. I'm just not yet. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, I'm going to run through the rest of the list a bit quicker now. The Eagles are sort of my main team. I can kind of break down everybody else pretty quickly with how I like them. But we're going to take a quick time out here on WGR on the Nightcap. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back into the Nightcap here on WGR. With our first segment tonight, we talked a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to be one of the more exciting teams to watch this year. They're definitely... Outside of the Bills, the team I'm most interested in seeing what goes on there. I, I think the NFC East is always up for grabs. Truthfully, I, I off the top of my head, I believe the last time we've had a repeat champion in that division was the early 2000s with those Eagles teams, and then before that, obviously, you know the, the 90s Cowboys. Now, I just kind of want to run through a few of the teams I am excited for as well. Not nearly as much as the Eagles. I think the Eagles really outside of the Bills are, are the team I'm going to clue into the most. I think they could be a surprise team to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, especially if Hurts takes another step. Speaking of a quarterback that could take that step that really, I'd almost say redefines his team, is the San Francisco 49ers, and specifically Trey Lance. I think the 49ers, as we've all seen, are a very, very good team. George Kittle, Debo Samuel... Bosa, I mean, just, it, it, they're littered with talent. It basically doesn't matter who they play at running back. Kyle Shanahan's system is going to be dynamite with whoever they throw in there. Brandon Ayuk is a wide receiver, is also pretty good. And I think the I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to be a very good team this year, mainly because I think Trey Lance is going to pop. I think he is going to be this year's sort of stunning, surprising. Oh, oh, that guy's really, really good. I think we'd even hear we'd be hearing less about the 49ers if the 49ers had been smart and just traded Jimmy Garoppolo last year or right at the end of this year. I know he has an injury, but there were teams that wanted a quarterback. And the value on Jimmy Garoppolo was never higher than after leading his team to the NFC leading, I'm putting that in quotations, his team to the NFC Championship game. But now Where's he going to go? You're not going to get anything for Garoppolo when you really should have gotten something. He's likely just going to get cut and go to Tampa Bay and back up Brady for a year before potentially taking over that role for about a year, and then Tampa will go looking for better. Because if you've heard anything about me talking about the San Francisco 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo in the past you know, five or six months, you'll know I do not think Jimmy Garoppolo is a high-end quarterback. I don't think he's an average quarterback. I think he's below average being really, really helped out by maybe the best mind, offensive mind, in the last 25 years. I think Kyle Shanahan is a true difference maker when it comes to his teams. I think he genuinely has made career years for a ton of guys. I namely look to Matt Ryan's MVP year when that team, I think, went 11-5 and and went to the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's stats never looked like that again. Well over 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, 7 picks, I think like a 67-68 completion percentage. I mean, he was efficient, he was throwing for a ton of yards and, good, and a good amount of touchdown passes. Matt Ryan has never looked like that before or since. Jimmy Garoppolo is just the latest example. And you're probably sitting there going, well, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play a ton, like he's always hurt. You know, when, and when they have C.J. Beathard in there or Nick Mullins in there, San Francisco's not that good. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's a below average starting NFL quarterback. I think Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard are straight up backup quarterbacks. And the 49ers have dealt with injuries across the board. It's not really just been Jimmy G. But Trey Lance, to me, has always been a fascinating case study into these athletic freak quarterbacks. Trey Lance is a guy 
back when he was still in college, he was a guy I was I was studying and really trying to work myself up on and 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 really know what's going on there because we weren't sold on Josh Allen yet. This was after Josh's second year, the Houston playoff game. But even then, Josh's passing numbers were not were not the best. Twenty touchdowns to ten picks, you know, about a fifty eight, fifty nine completion percentage, and just barely over three thousand yards. Josh's numbers were not something, at least in the passing game, that you would sit there and write home about. You would not tell mom and dad about that report card. You'd probably keep that and go, all right, I'm, I'm going to get better next semester. So Trey Lance was somebody I was keeping an eye on, namely because I did love all of Josh Allen's traits. I loved all of it: the big arm the big guy, the personality. Trey Lance, to me, was all of those things coming into the draft for his year. Then you add in the fact he was dominant in college. He went to North Dakota State, which, I uh, number one, I have stopped in terms of scouting college players, cared about where they played. I don't care. Did they play well? Do they have traits that could elevate them in the next level? That's all I care about. Because Josh played at Wyoming. And he didn't really dominate college football. He had dominating plays. That's about it. But Trey Lance in North Dakota State, a powerhouse in the FCS division of college football, dominated. He threw 25 touchdowns and no picks in his redshirt freshman year. He didn't throw a single pick. And that was on a predominantly rushing offense in which he was a main part of that. I want to say he had like 800, 900 rushing yards and like 11 touchdowns. He was phenomenal. And then COVID happened. There was not a prospect more hurt by the pandemic than Trey Lance. No one got to see him. All they got, I think, was like a spring game, if I remember correctly. It was like a single scrimmage. And all anyone watched it for was because of Trey Lance. He was supposed to be this dynamite quarterback prospect that now no one was going to get to see. But he falls into San Francisco's lap. After all the rumors that they may take Mac Jones and they're gonna they're you know they're gonna stick to what Kyle Shannon, and this is the one thing I think Kyle Shannon does does hurt himself with is the quarterbacks he wants basically just don't hurt me when I think he needs somebody that to to take that offense to the next level. That's the guy he needs. Andy Reid needed it with Patrick Mahomes. With Donovan McNabb, it was a lot of please don't hurt me. And Donovan, in some of those playoff games in the Super Bowls, would perform poorly. And that's really what held back Andy Reid's offenses. And then he got Alex Smith in Kansas City, and it was sort of the same thing of just don't hurt me. Just, just play well enough, my offense will carry it. And it only carries you so far. Then he gets Mahomes, and look what happens. AFC Championship first year, Super Bowl the next. Boom, like that. San Francisco could be very much the same deal. Jimmy Garoppolo is just good enough with a great roster and a great coach to get you to the NFC Championship game. And NFC, that is ripe for the taking. Name a, name a truly great young quarterback in the NFC. You can't. There is, there is just not a young, great quarterback there. Trey Lance and the 49ers can walk into a situation where they are the best team in a conference for a decade. Easily. They can walk in and be the best team in a conference for a decade. The team is built well. They draft well. And if Trey Lance hits with all those physical tools, with the coaching of Kyle Shanahan, if that hits, even even if he's just an average quarterback this year, which I think is very likely that he's just an average quarterback. With his rushing ability, he will dominate games. He will make the 49ers better. And I brought up the Philadelphia Eagles, potentially being one of those teams that could really surprise people. I think the 49ers get out of the NFC this year. I think they're the team that represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. 
And ultimately, it is because I think Trey Lance has more of an upside as a quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I also think, as much as I like Nick Sirianni, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think really what he does there is spectacular and is really getting the most out of what he has. I think also you look at that, look at Sean McVay. He got the most he could out of Jared Goff. But it took getting Matthew Stafford, a truly potentially elite quarterback, for him to win his first Super Bowl. But speaking of Jared Goff, the Detroit Lions, real quick on them. I just think they're making right moves. I think they're really setting themselves up to be a really good team in an NFC that's ripe for the taking, as I, as I mentioned, with the 49ers and with the Eagles. And to kind of take advantage of a Green Bay team that now... Does, does Green Bay even have a number two receiver now that they've lost Devontae Adams? Like, no one's really that good on that team. I loved Christian Watson coming out of the draft. If you listen to me at all from the months of January to April, you know how much I loved Christian Watson. But he's a rookie dealing with uh, a bit of a temperamental quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Alan Lazard has never been consistent a day in his life in the NFL. And Aaron Jones, that's kind of their offense. Bobby Tunyon, a tight end, I guess, is pretty good. But they're right for the taking. The Vikings, eh. I love Justin Jefferson. I love Adam Thielen. I don't like Kirk Cousins. And there could be some issues with Dalvin Cook there that I that they may not have him. And then the Bears are the Bears. I love Justin Fields, but that team's a disaster. That team is awful. Detroit can easily finish second in the division, and truthfully should finish second in the division, if not compete with Green Bay for the number one spot. I think they absolutely will. I love the addition of Jamison Williams to go along with DJ Chark and Amon St. Brown in that receiving core. That is how you get the most out of an average quarterback in Jared Goff. Is load up with a ton of wide receivers, have a great O-line in front of you, and a pretty darn solid running game with DeAndre Swift behind you. That is how you push forward. And then you end the fact they have TJ Hawkinson, maybe a top five tight end in football. Jared Goff started to play pretty darn well at the end of the season. Once he really sort of figured out their system, Amon St. Brown had officially kind of arrived. Now they've added more talent to that team. Jared Goff, truthfully, should have Carson Wentz numbers from this past year. What hurt Carson Wentz is he could put those up at 1 o'clock when no one was watching. But when pressure, when the lights started coming onto him, I need, I need Jonathan Taylor to do this. Jonathan Taylor needs to run for 200 yards, and then I'll, I'll, I'll dump off three touchdown passes. But Jared Goff can absolutely have by a season of 25 to 30 touchdown passes, 7 to 10 interceptions. He absolutely should be striving for that, around 38 to 4,000 yards passing. That should absolutely be something that he is striving for because he can hit that. So I do like the Lions this year. The Jaguars. I don't necessarily like the Jaguars. I'm just very, very fascinated in what they'll be this year. You know, was Urban Meyer truly this atrocious, god-awful coach that basically ruined last year, that basically made it a wash of a year? Don't even put it in the Wikipedia page. Let's move on. Or is Trevor Lawrence really not the Messiah? Was Is he not a product, you know, product, prodigal quarterback? Is It's not him. I think Trevor Lawrence is, it, 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 there's a great quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. I also think there were genuine issues with this game. His, his release is too long. It takes forever to get the ball out. But you saw at the end of last year, mainly against the Colts, he is good. He has got talent. And Jacksonville, you know, they're giving Travis Etienne back. They've still got Marvin Jones. And they get Doug Peterson in at, court, at, at head coach. 
who has been a bit of a quarterback whisperer in his time. Look, the only time Carson Wentz has looked even remotely elite was with Doug Peterson. Truthfully, if, if Carson Wentz does not tear his ACL, he's winning the 2017 NFL MVP. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think he wins the Super Bowl still. I don't think anyone was stopping that Eagles team that year. Because ultimately, Doug Peterson also makes Nick Foles into a Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winner. Now, some will tell you it was Frank Reich, and I think it was definitely a mix of the two. But ultimately, I can't sit here and say Frank Reich is absolutely a quarterback whisperer because Carson Wentz, who he wanted back, did not work out for the Colts. Heck, their owner literally came out and said it was a mistake. That's not great. That's really not good. I'm also excited for one particular player. I mentioned this in the first segment, so I want to bring it up now. I want to see what Davis Mills can do. Davis Mills came in last year with zero expectations. This season is basically a wash for the Houston Texans. Who cares? Just go in. Heck, our head coach is going to be fired at the end of the year for no reason of his own, just for the fact that we just needed a head coach this year. So you go in. You were a third-round rookie. Davis Mills, if he had stayed in college last year, like many wanted him to, would have been the first quarterback taken this year by most NFL draft analysts. Most would have told you Davis Mills should have stayed because he would have been a first-round pick the next year. He just needed more seasoning. Apparently not. Davis Mills, for large portions of last year, was by far the best rookie quarterback, and he ended on the best run. Mac Jones, for as much as you know, national media wanted to talk about how great Mac Jones was, and man, he looks like a 10-year vet, certainly didn't at the end of the year. Every single one of his numbers took a dip, and pretty sizable at that. Every single one. Did he have good moments? Absolutely. But when his team needed him to throw the ball, they asked him to do it three times. And in the playoffs, well, no, it's not his fault. He certainly didn't keep up with Josh Allen and the Bills. He certainly didn't keep up with them. That team wants to run the ball and basically run the ball only and throw because I guess they have to. Davis Mills could be a very, very exciting quarterback for the Houston Texans. I don't like the organization. I think they're kind of gross for things around the Deshaun Watson situation some NDAs and all that. I think they're kind of gross. But I really like Mills as a, as a prospect. I really, really like Mills as a prospect. He has an above-average NFL arm. Good size. Deceptively athletic. And he's one of the few rookie quarterbacks that did not shell against Bill Belichick. That has been one of Bill Belichick's calling cards forever. Is he makes rookie quarterbacks look like rookie busts. Not even just rookies. Busts. Zach Wilson, who I think is going to be better this year, not you know a disaster. I think he'll be better this year for the Jets. He threw four interceptions off six passes against Bill Belichick. Davis Mills, earliest in the in the year, threw like 350 yards and four touchdowns against him. He was unstoppable against Bill Belichick. There is a great quarterback in Davis Mills. I don't know if we'll actually get the great quarterback, but he has the potential to be one. He had a very, very good rookie season, especially for an, a tire fire disaster that was the Houston Texans. There is something there. And I am excited to see it. Not necessarily the team, but I am excited to see it for Davis Mills. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We come back, we're going to wrap up the show. Madden released their rankings today, and I'm just going to flat out say, Jamar Chase should be furious. He should not just be looking at it added motivation. He should be furious. Talk about that when we come back. Thanks for listening to the Nightcap here on WGR. We'll be back in just a few moments. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Very quick segment here. I just want to talk a little bit about the Madden rankings that started to come out. You know, they're starting to, you know, trickle out here and there. Wide receivers and tight ends were today. 
I'm not the biggest Madden player, not anymore. I don't think the games are well made, but it, today really just proved why I, I don't I don't play those games anymore. Jamar Chase, one of the best rookie seasons you're going to see ever. Not even just wide receiver, just rookie seasons was instrumental to the success the Cincinnati Bengals had. You're probably thinking, all right, well, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, they're you know high 90s, 99 for Devontae Adams. Cooper Cup 98. You're probably thinking, all right, you know, Jamar Chase is going to be there. Tyreek Hill 97. DeAndre Hopkins 96. Stephon Diggs 95. I agree with that one. Justin Jefferson 93. Mike Evans 92. Terry McLaurin 91. Keenan Allen 91. Amari Cooper 90. And you're probably sitting there going, Zach, uh, you didn't you didn't say Jamar Chase, and you'd be correct. I didn't. No, 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 no. Chris Godwin is apparently better than him. Debo Samuel is better than him. Adam Thielen is apparently better than him. DJ Moore is better than him. A.J. Brown, we talked a little bit about him today, is better than him. Brandon Cooks, the Mr. I'm going to trade you for a second-round pick, is better than him. He finds himself all the way down to an 87 overall. I do not understand that. What is the point of doing these rankings or even just going based off of somebody's season in the past if that's how you're going to rank it? Brandon Cooks has never had a season like Jamar Chase. Adam Thielen hasn't even had a season like Jamar Chase. What was the point why are you trying to put out this game every single year that Madden tries to if you're not going to put in even the sliver of effort that it takes to do this? I, what is the point there? I'm not saying it has to be a 99, but a 95 feels about right. I don't know. I just, you know I'm not going to buy the game this year. I think the cover, having John Madden after his passing, is absolutely the most classy thing they could do. It makes total sense. I'm all for it. That doesn't mean I'm going to buy the game. And I think that's really it's 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 that in you know a, a bunch of other things that I just think it's a poorly made game. But that right there it makes no sense. Not to anyone that watches football that will actually buy the game that is excited to buy the game and play the game. It makes zero sense to anybody. All right, thank you for listening tonight. We're coming back tomorrow. I, I mentioned a little bit tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about about the teams I think have took taken the biggest step back and who I'm not looking forward to watching at all. Uh, this upcoming season. So thank you for listening tonight. Happy Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. I will talk to you tomorrow. I'll be on Show and Bowl tomorrow and of course tomorrow the nightcap. So thank you for listening here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.